Hello, welcome to episode 176 of Three Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Lairs and I'm with... Barry Neil. Barry, we're once again recording via the wonders of Zoom, because we're not allowed to be near each other um, still. Mm. Um, we're recording very early in the day compared to what we normally do, so I assume you're not drinking anything? No, no, I'm on Pepsi because I'm going back to work tonight. Fair enough. Uh, I'm also not, I have a very loud mug of tea, so I'm also not uh, drinking either, because like I said, it's, it's not even, it's barely even afternoon right now, so if they start drinking now, we would feel wrong. I don't know, see if I was off, I'd probably be having a few beers, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You're in that kind of mood. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, lots to get to this week, um, so we'll, we'll fire straight into it. Now, we haven't really been talking about Camel Laird recently, because of, you know, they've not been doing much, but there is actually Camel Laird news coming out. Yeah. Yes, I did see this. I did see this. Uh, their manager, Phil Burton, resigned from position. Um, not really given any reason behind it. I'm not sure if it's something to do with recent performances, but they're not really performing at all over the past three, four weeks. I'm not really sure mm. what that is. They went on the best run of form towards the end of their, towards the end of like before the, the season stopped. Um, but it could be because there's a lot of like up and down around whether or not that league's going to restart again anytime soon. Maybe he's found a job elsewhere and that's why he resigned. I'm assuming maybe it could be something to do with yeah. that. I I was like a lot of people this year who have found themselves in strange positions where their job has unfortunately kind of fell away or whatever, yeah. just the, the whip of a rug. I, when I seen the tweet from the Camelliers, I took it that the fella had simply just been like, I'm not sure if this league's going to start. I've got to look after myself and my family first. Yeah. I, that's, what I, that's what I took it as. I didn't take it as anything else, yeah. you know. I'd agree. I, maybe, I think maybe he has got something else lined up, maybe in a higher league, and possibly as an assistant, possibly in some other role. But yeah, I think maybe that's mm. it. Um, so for the time being, yeah. the captain, Colm Lynch, he's in charge of the Camels, um, and hopefully they get back playing in the next sometime. I think they're talking mm. about that maybe before the end of the year they get back playing. Hopefully that, that'll be the head. Um, yeah. Hopefully get some games going. Um, any, I am following, I am following a guy on oh. Twitch though who's playing the season out, like based on like the league. Um, I'm I'm not following. I don't watch watch Twitch. I'm not really sure how that works. But I've got him on Twitter, so I'm seeing his updates on Twitter. Um, and the camel leader said probably mid table, which I'm quite pleased that you know. Oh, so, oh, so nice. it's like he's nice. putting it on the new football manager that, that came out what, a couple of weeks ago. It's very detailed and very expensive, which I will not be buying. Is very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I follow a couple of fellas on uh, YouTube who play football manager like that stuff channel. Yeah. And one of the guys actually done a comparison and simply it was a case of unless you're an absolute diehard football manager fan and you want the, the new players and all that, there's absolutely no reason to buy uh, 21 from tw- from 20. There's yeah. ab- like... Borderline, there's absolutely no difference in gameplay. It's simply mm-hmm. just that you know you want like the players being where the players should be, you know. But if I you're more of a the, casual player, you know. I bought nineteen twenty um, at the start of lockdown because I needed something to do, and I'm thinking I'm going to play this because this used to chew up literally weeks tw- of my life. Twenty nineteen, do you mean? Aye, the, the one before this one, the, the most recent, the previous one. Sorry. I bought that. So the yeah, yeah. one before Sorry, that. You said nineteen twenty. Sorry, season twenty nineteen to twenty. <laughs> Um, I bought that yeah, yeah, yeah. prior to the, the just as the lockdown started, thinking it would and interest me. And to be honest, it, it's there's mm. so much involved in it now to play chat manager football games. It's I so in depth. There's so much stuff you've got to do, and there's so much like micromanagement and try to get involved in it. 
that I played it once for, I think I played it once for about two days straight, and I think I managed to maybe get through about 20 or 30 games on it, which, yeah. if I played, like, say, the one I really liked, which is back in, like, 2006, possibly, one of those ones, maybe 2010, mm. yeah, yeah. two or three days, I would battle through, like, about, you know, a dozen seasons, or half a dozen seasons, you know, just, I would be, it, it, it felt more gameplay as opposed to constant micromanagement, and um, so it's, it's not yes. the fun way I remember it being. That's what I quite like about the version that you get for the iPad. It's yeah. a Football Manager Mobile, and it takes a lot of the gumph that that's on like the main game and strips all that away. So yeah. you do you are able to battle through the seasons quite quickly. Yeah, albeit you are playing it on a mobile device, which is a problem sometimes. But I, I mean, I used to, honestly, I mean, the amount of time I lost sitting playing Champ Manager on my my desktop, my laptop as a, as a younger gentleman is quite frankly mm. scary. Um, and it was yes. Literally, years of my life were dedicated to this game. <laughs> it was. Um, well, it could be worse. You could, you could have a YouTube channel dedicated to it. At least they're making. They're probably making money off it. I was making absolutely no money off it, but I was taking it exceptionally seriously. Um, so yeah. So back to Cavaliers. Hopefully, they're back playing uh, before then. Before yes. the end of the year, and we look forward to seeing them. And hopefully, I still have hopes that this year, well, twenty twenty one. Sorry, that I will get down to see them. Uh, to see them play. Because mm. um, plans of that happening last Hope year so. all. Fell by the wayside. Um, yes. As we've been doing recently, because news has been a little bit quiet. Um, any movie news that you want to bring to the floor regarding movie news? Uh, sorry, an ambulance is screaming by. Uh, just to, kind of to further elaborate on the HBO Max story. Uh, the biggest with Warner Brothers. Yeah, big story, yeah. Uh, it's simply the it's they came out and officially said it was going to be twelve months. But pretty much everyone's now read between the lines that uh, this is going to be a 12-month trial period to see if a lot of people pick it up. Well, this is and basically, also, is, it, is it the Warner Brothers basically doing all their um, movies for 2020, movies. 20, uh, 2021 um, releases are going straight mm-hmm. to HBO Max in America um, onto the yes. app. Where they're not going to, they're going to be given any state, any state in America that's got a cinema, cinema open, they'll be allowed to release them in the cinema if they wish at the same time. But it's like mm. a dual release um, over all yes. the platforms, and then they'll be taken off of the cinema after, I believe, a month to six weeks. Yes. And then yes. Available if you've got HBO Max, they'll still be available on HBO Max, I think. But if you want, to, if you're not getting HBO Max, you want to watch them, you've got to buy them on VOD. I believe that's yeah. how it's working. I think as well they're getting taken off HBO Max oh, as, well. as well. Yeah, okay. After so they're doing a cinema run and an HBO run at the exact same time, and, and then once that's over, they put them on VOD. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So you, six weeks to watch them either the cinema or, or HBO Max. Yeah. So you know, fine well that they're not going to dump like all the releases like in the first week we all know this they'll stagger them out throughout the course of the year it'll be, it'll be the release schedule hooked. not the similar to a normal cinematic release schedule but it'll be one a month or one every yeah. three weeks it'll be the normal release schedule yes absolutely yeah. um, and like we mentioned a couple of weeks back do we see this coming to the UK every possibility you know the infrastructure's there now people are quite happy I've even parted money for like renting a movie or two yeah. uh, so I can see it happening, unfortunately. Yeah. Is it going to push me away from the cinema? Probably not. I'll probably still end up going back to the cinemas at some point. Um, so, yeah, I just need to go wait and see. And then, obviously, uh, the other day, Christopher Nolan came out and saying it was like 
quite a slap in the face for like yep. cinemas and all that for this kind of deal happening because as we know even though they're saying it's a, a unique 12 month trial yep. we all know this if it goes well this will not be the end of it unfortunately yeah. also this, uh, this morning Denny Villeneuve came out and said similar things uh, he's director of June um, or director of Blade Runner uh, mm. 2049 and um, he came out um, today as well and basically reiterated a lot of what um, Nolan said, which was it's a slap in the face to the filmmakers because these guys are not they're not making films that are made for small screens. You know, something like no. June, something like Wonder Woman 1984, something like um, King Kong versus Godzilla. They're not made to be watched on a small screen mm. or some prick watching on his phone or watching on his iPad. They're made to be watched in a massive screen and they're made to be watched in an environment yeah. with other people. You know, I've got no problem with watching a little indie film at home, and I find I think you should watch any film in the cinema more than you should watch it at home. But I get watching smaller films at home, but something with the scale and epicness mm. of, the, of the films that are the sort of the big releases, like you know, like the Fast and Furious, like all these kind of things, they should be seen on a big screen. And to and to take it away from that, I think is a dangerous game. Um, Britain's slightly yes. different right now because there is like, no HBO Max in Britain. Um, anything that goes on HBO Max in America yeah. tends to go onto Sky Atlantic here. However. I do mm. not see them putting Wonder Woman 1984 on Sky Atlantic. That's not going to happen. It'll either be VOD sort of purchase, no. or it'll be cinemas are open. We're allowed to show it, but it'll still be available for you know sort of purchase via Sky Movies and Sky Cinema that kind of thing. I think that's that's the route they're going down. Yeah, yeah, or even some yeah, even like even if it finds its way onto also like Amazon. Uh, Amazon will pay for it to have it on there, so I don't think it'll be on Amazon. Ah, I think it'll likely be okay. on. I think somebody thinks Sky Cinema's got some sort of relationship with HBO, obviously, yeah. in some way that they're the same corporate masters in some way. So I believe that's mm -hmm. where it'll probably end up being able to put through your Sky Sky movies, you know, when you buy the stuff you can buy there. So I think it'll be on that. But I think it'll just be a rental. I think yeah, you're yeah. buying, you know, some of the things you buy on Sky, I mean, once you buy them, you have them to keep, you can watch them anytime you want. These might be much like the Mulan yeah. It'll be a rental. You'll have it for say, you know, you get your forty-eight hours to watch it and all that kind of stuff. It won't be a, it won't be a constant. You know, you have it all the time. It's a danger. It's a sad man. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing but saddened by this new world. I, I think it's a real shame that it's happening. Um, mm -hmm. As excited I was today with some other news I'll talk to in a minute, it just feels like oh. cinema's going away. It just feels like cinema's dying. Um, and yes, yeah. um, we've seen that for a long. We have seen that as the cinemas are constantly pushing to get that bottom line back to where it is. Mm -hmm. You know yourself, one of the ones that you frequent in at Silverburn, they don't have any, like, they barely get any kiosks. It's all like little machines. It's yeah. all like little, like, uh, machines for booking tickets and all yeah. that kind of thing. So that, like, takes away jobs. And, and you're just about, and the last time I was in it, because uh, I was delivering elsewhere within it, so I was actually, I found myself in the service elevator for the cinema. And when I walk through, it's like, see the amount of people that were in it, I ought no other lie. And I know the numbers were down at that point when they reopened in the UK, but the amount of staff I've seen, I could have counted in one hand. Yeah. And I, was I mean, cinemas like, don't, don't wow. use that many staff now to keep them, keep them going. They're, they have a very low sort of turnover like a turnover of, of staff in it. Um, because, like you said, a lot of this is all automated. Now. People don't want to be going to ticket booths. They want to just do it all automated. The only thing you put people there for now is for your popcorn and stuff like that. And even that, they, yeah. they seem to be napping in the cinema at times and it's like sort of maybe one person working 13 screens because it's so quiet. You know, mm. uh, maybe, when, maybe when Avengers comes out, they have obviously a lot more people on then, but yeah, it's not, it's not like a, it's not like a massive, I mean, I'm holding a lot of staff work in cinemas, but I, don't, I never see a lot of staff in cinemas. Projectionists don't exist anymore, since it's all just done digitally as well and that kind of stuff, so it's all, 
it's very sad it's a strange time because you kind of find yourself in these kind of like uh, smaller jobs that would get filled with either like school leavers or like uh, uni people wanting to pick up like part-time work or whatever when they were all disappearing it's like where do people actually go you know mm. what i mean Agreed. But then Agreed. this is maybe like this, this is maybe like a bigger social issue than rather than a movie podcast. No, aye, so. Definitely. Um it'll be yeah, really sad as Bordy Freeman and um, Warner Brothers sort of going down that route. Hopefully they the track yeah. is away and hopefully they still see other stuff in the cinema. Hopefully there's still cinemas mm. there to all frequent to watch this stuff. But it, it just I, I, I really don't think I'm gonna enjoy watching something like June on the big on the small screen, you know. Um or No, there's there's a lot of films that I've watched in the last good few years that I can literally put my hand in my heart and say that it was genuinely worth going to the cinema for. Yeah. There's been a couple that I was like, all right, I can probably watch that in my house. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to, it is what it is, you know, but there has been a couple, the soundtrack, the visuals, it worked on the big screen and that's the way the movie should be, should be. you know. It's an experience the same yeah. as anything else. And um, nothing I was yeah. going to mention was talking about streaming as Disney had their, um, their uh, major reveals last night, they're sort of um, the shareholders. Mm. They start telling everyone it's going to come out in the next sort of couple of months, uh, a couple of years, sorry. Um, so Disney's mm. bringing everything out. They are bringing 900 <laughs> shows out over the next couple of years. They're bringing 1,000 uh-huh. Marvel TV shows and Marvel movies out. They're basically bringing everything out and anything out. Um, lots of it's going to Disney Plus, again, so they can try yeah, and yeah. drive the, the markets to there. They want people to take up the Disney Plus app. Um, lots of big names involved in it, um, you know, getting, getting getting in there to, to be involved in stuff. But it definitely feels like they're, they're they're putting their money on the big franchises, and I just don't see a lot of diversity in cinema just now, which is a real sadness as well. I don't really, there is still talent out there, but I'm not mm. a lot of exposure for. It's always been the case, but now even more so, there's so little exposure for sort of smaller cinema that's. Um, this it's just getting eaten up now by Disney and the, the big boys. And unfortunately, this is why, you know, this is probably going to be a bit controversial for a movie podcast, but uh, this is why I never finished the the Avengers uh, storyline, right. like the release of films, uh-huh. because it was like, it was never fucking ending. Like, for a brief moment, for like a few good couple of years, it was superhero movies, superhero movies, yeah. superhero movies, superhero movies. And unless you're fucking balls deep into it, yeah. it becomes a bit bland for, like, cinema, your average cinema goer. You're like, right, well, I'm not really keeping up with this story. I'd, I Actually, I randomly found myself, I watched all, like, I watched all the, like, individual films yeah which leads into the avengers but i never actually i watched two avengers movies and then i was like nah, i'm fucking sick of this shit i want something else i totally get i mean this is this is what i would this is one of the things i've always talked about saying i i do generally enjoy most of the, the, the superhero stuff i have quite I, i'm a big superhero fan mm. I've, I've enjoyed most of the movies yeah. i've enjoyed the avengers fun i really enjoyed but i do often think if i'm not a superhero movie fan and i'm a cinema goer I'm gonna be pissed off because like it just seems like that's all that's out and that's all and if I'm a filmmaker as well, all I can get made right now is fucking superhero films. Even if it's not a superhero yeah, film no. directly, you have to somehow tie in the superheroes. For example, like Joker. I don't think I don't think it's a very good mm. film, but the only reason that film made a billion dollars has nothing to do with Wacom Phoenix, it's nothing to do with Todd Phillips. It's because it's called the Joker. It's because it's got a, yeah. a DC comic book element to it. Um yeah. And that's what's really mad to me. Is if, if you're not in superhero films or superhero comic book titles, what the fuck are you going to see? And there just seems that there's yeah, very no. little variation there for people who go and see anything. Because anything else is out, yeah, yeah. it does come out. Because I know there's a lot of stuff that comes out. Because I was a good couple, mm. um, he's on my 
the Wee Magazine, listen to my podcast and all this kind of stuff, but it doesn't get shown anywhere. It's so hard to find anything anywhere else. It's not a superhero film. And then it harks back to the old thing of, well, the cinemas don't really make any money unless it's like big superhero movies or big yeah. releases. So this is what they'll pedal for every day, every night. So pretty much any time an Avengers movie was getting dropped, it was like it would literally take over the full entire cinema yeah. in certain a, areas. And you're like, fuck me, man. That's, that's the thing. If, yeah. anyone's gonna, if anyone's going to save cinema, it will probably be Disney mm. by what it's doing, by bringing all these superhero films out. But the people who will probably kill cinema as well will be Disney because they're just they're saturating the market and they're just choking the market with their own stuff yeah. with these franchise movies that I mean there's a film, one of the films I announced was a Buzz Lightyear origin story. I'm just thinking, who the fuck cares about a Buzz Lightyear <laughs> origin story? I did actually see that the day I seen that on Twitter the day and I was like uh, I don't really need to know how a toy in China was made. I've pretty and much got it down to a, a nut, you know. You know, that's it. You know, the, like, oh, the Toy the, Story films. I think you like the Toy Story movies as well. We're all big fans, but I love them. I, I love don't them. have any interest in the Buzz Lightyear origin story. You know, what I, what I want is a a Buzz Lightyear origin story that's a Pixar short, and it's literally just. A, toy, uh, a Buzz Lightyear toy going all, along the Chinese like, assembly line, slowly getting made by, made by children. <laughs> yeah, and then it falls into the bin of hundreds of other Buzz Lightyears and then yeah. boom, fucking credits. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, I don't need to see <laughs> a Buzz Lightyear need, out or story. Um, What's the fucking origin story? He's a toy. They're doing, it, they're doing it sort of the story that the Buzz Lightyear character is based upon. I'm not really sure the ins and outs of it. I just I just think it's a complete waste of any time. <sighs> Um, that, the thing is, is you'll probably do good money, a, and I'll probably go and see it. So I'm, I'm, I'm partly to Yeah, I, I know I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna go and see it. I'll download it, depending on what's happening in the coming next year, because we could be still in the same position. True. But it's like, it's um, but you're just like this is what goes back to when you just said Disney is saturating the market. I guarantee you, everything will get green lit if you approach. If you're a, if you're a filmmaker or a scriptwriter on any description and you're part of the Disney family in any shape or form, they will fucking greenlight it because we've spoke before, as much as there's a lot of content on Disney Plus, and but there's not a lot of new things on Disney Plus. Okay, there's a lot yes. of like older, older yep. things that the kids watch in and out, day in, day out, but there's not a lot of new things. Essentially, essentially Mandalorian is the only new thing they put out recently. Mandalorian and Mulan, yeah. because Hamilton wasn't there, yeah. they bought Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. So you basically had um, like Mandalorian, you've had Mulan, you're going to get Soul coming out soon. That's about it. It's, there's not a lot of content on on, on Disney Plus that's, that's new and original. Um, they're, they're, mm. they're very shy on that. So. That explains why the price is still low. It's going to go up in price now. They've done another problem with doing, you know, now twenty odd Star Wars shows. That's going to pump the price yeah. up. Um, but yeah, as long as long as like as long as they respect everyone uh, for the first like twelve months or like twenty four months that bought into Skype, uh, Skype Plus, bought into Disney Plus in the beginning. The way Netflix done, as long as they respect people who done it, because I think I got. I think I got my account for like six pounds for like another like twelve months while everyone else was paid seven, and then ultimately you still get it for that price. But when you come to get it, when it comes to renewal time again, you're going to pay more. Mm. I think it's, it's not about yeah, it's not yeah, about yeah. like double. It's not about like two quid. So you're paying like eight nine nine a month, which is not a lot of money for. I it. know, but 
this is the problem as no. well. The market's getting so delineated and so de- like, de- sort of like, sectioned out. Then all to be able to watch a lot of stuff now, you need to have something like about eight or nine different apps, you know? Because I've got like I've now got like Netflix, I've got Amazon, I've got Disney, mm-hmm. I've got Shudder. If I want to watch that, I've got a BFI player, you want to watch stuff on that. You're talking a good like yeah. like a half a dozen to even possibly ten different apps you need to have or sort of streaming services you need to have in order to watch everything. I mean and they'll they bring out their apps, so that'd be HBO Max another app you've got to try and purchase in some way to try and tie in possibly. That's another thing in order to be able to watch even just half the stuff you want to watch. Not even trying to find stuff that's all just to fill time. The stuff that is generally huge and massive, it's so widely spread across all these different um, you know, avenues and um, you know, media streams. If only there was some sort of like media service that pulled all these things together and it was all in one handy device or some sort of like app and you just scrolled up and down like these kind of like channel things. And we paid like one monthly fee for it, and we could just all have it all in one place. I mean, that's oh, if only, if only. It's it's the way cable TV used to be. When we first all get cable TV, you get every channel. <laughs> you know, but now it's like yeah. if you want, you get like a base channel, and then now you've got like, oh, do you want sport? Yeah, for fiber. Do you want do you want movies? Yeah, for tenor. Yeah. It's just it's coming to that. It's so so delineated. It's it's, it's very frustrating. But yeah, so yeah. Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers and Disney are both equally killing and trying to save cinema in equal measure. <laughs> they'll try. They'll try to save it, but mold it into what they really desire it yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're trying to drown it, bring it back, and then drown it again. So. <laughs> I think we saved it by killing it. Aye, that, basically that's what it is. Yeah, it's, it's a Sophie's choice. They're, yeah. they're killing the. They're killing the sun to save the door. Uh, anyway, so we'll move on to the movies that we have been watching this week. Um, since you've, you, we'll be brief for you, but head to work soon. Uh, the first one up that's is. Good. The third installment of the Steve McQueen Small Axe uh, anthology. Mm. This one is called mm. Red, White and Blue. Steve McQueen, of course, directed all the previous ones, which was Lover's Rock and Mangrove. He also directed things like Widow, mm. Shame and Film You the Slave, which you haven't seen, you should definitely try and check out. This one is the true story of uh, a gentleman called Leroy Logan, who was an African, uh, West Indian gentleman, West Indian of, uh, of West Indian origin living in London. Um, whose fam who wanted to join the police force to see that as a way he can excel and, and move forward in the community and actually be a, a, a source of good within his community. Um, but he's pretty much on both sides of the community, sort of they're not seen as belonging to either because of this. His family don't like him because his, his father had a bad run of the police in the past. Um, and they see it as, and, the, and a lot of people in this community see him as a sort of traitor to his West Indian culture. Uh, and, be, and also in the police force, basically, they're all middle-class or working-class white guys who see him as a black guy in the police force and they treat him pretty horrendously because of that. Um, so he, he stuck between two yeah. not really belonging to two worlds but trying to do good somewhere. Um, in the film you've got John Boyega, he plays um, uh, Leroy Logan. Steve Toussaint plays his um, his dad. Joy Richardson plays his wife, I think it is. Uh, Antonio Thomas, no, Joy Richardson plays uh, his mother, I think it is. Antonio Thomas plays his wife and Soroka Davis uh, pops up in it as well. Um, we've enjoyed the um, small act stuff so far. The first two, I think, have been excellent. Uh, they've been really enjoyable, mm-hmm. um, really interesting. Um, what do you think of this one? This was a good one, albeit not in the kind of same kind of tone. This is what I'm quite liking about this little series. It's like every episode has like a, a completely different tone to what yeah. came before it. Yeah. Obviously, they're all telling individual stories, but some are a lot more light-hearted than others. This being at the kind of far end of the scale, this is dealing yeah. with more like serious issues. 
um, in terms of just like a black fella in the police in was it the seventies or something? Well, uh, the six eighties. Uh, yeah, and it, and it's like yeah, it's just you know, it's like you see just how bad it was back then for like people of any colour that pretty much wasn't white trying to get on in society, you know? Yeah. It was pretty shit. It was like, you know, the the beloved truck driver getting fucking heckled, you know, because they parked at like a perfectly fine spot for parking. But, but he Please. knows the law, he knows the law and he gets told that yeah. he's wrong. It's like he knows what the law is and yeah. he proves that he's right and it's still like that he still gets yeah. shit for it. Yeah, you know, it's like them bundling up guys in the back of the police van. Yeah. They're standing in queues and stuff and getting taken away to the middle of fucking nowhere just to get left. It's not even like they're doing anything with them. They're just like literally fucking with them. Aye. And you're just like, yeah, that's just fucking shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, oh, but back to the subject. Yeah, this was a good episode. I really liked it. Um, you know, it was nice to see that, you know, just the guy had an idea. The guy had a dream and he went for it. Yeah. You know, and... You know, it didn't matter what was in front of him. He was always going to climb over it to get to what he wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, I would say this is the first one so far of the of the three. There's only the three so far. This is the first one I felt we needed more. It was only like an hour and 20 minutes long. I, I felt we needed a more of a, more to it. Because mm. the story itself pretty much tells you of him deciding to join the police. He joins the police. He gets through training like with the highest marks. He becomes like one of the best officers in the police training ever. Mm-hmm. And you follow a, mm. a couple of wee things of him on the beat, and then it sort of ends. I'd like to have known yeah. where it went on from there. Like, did, did he did, did he find any sort of acceptance within the police force? Did, he, did what, what was or was the point of the film just the fact that he made it in some way? But you've got a, he's got a friend in the police force who drops out after like sort of six months or so because he just can't handle it anymore. And you want to know mm-hmm. did that? I want to know did that happen to him? I'm always like, I'm going to look it up, and I probably will look it up at some point. But it's like I felt like there's a lot of stuff he's left a little bit. Too open. It'd be nicer to know where it where it all ended up. Um, yeah. So this one is the first one. It didn't feel because I think these so far have all been movies. They've not been, mm. you know, Love of Rock and Mangrove have all felt like feature films. Mm. This kind of felt a bit like a mini series episode, like like one episode of like a bit of a bigger series. Like this could have been like sort of a three part or a two part. Um, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So that's it. Didn't feel quite as cinematic in that respect. Um, I did think John mm. Boyega was excellent as the, the as Leroy Logan. I thought it was, was fantastic. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. As the guy playing his dad, Steve Toussaint, I thought he was also excellent. There's a real sort of real, the real pain and sadness to him, which I thought was it came through. Yeah. He's, he's doing everything. He's trying to do his best, and the sort of mm. the final scene between the two of them, I thought was really beautiful. It was really well done and really touching. And you have that you kind of almost coming together of the two of them talking and just sort of airing their sort of opinion and differences I thought was, was really well done. Because of that though I thought the rest of the cast are a little bit too fringe. They didn't really have enough to do. Mm. Um, like you basically got his wife is basically sort of there as his emotional support. She doesn't really have much to do, which is a bit of a shame. His yeah, mother doesn't like that. do much either. And you've got the, you've got a couple of cops in it who are sort of just basically racist white people, which again is probably there will be white people like that, but it, it felt more like there were amalgamations of different people. There wasn't really enough to their story. And, maybe, and, and the point is, it's not really mean to mm. tell their story, but you just felt then there wasn't enough to, to understand their hatred, essentially, and the sort of to get in much with them. They didn't really, I didn't really get, I didn't really understand, the, I, I understand that they're just racist. I get, I get that point, but I felt they needed more than just that mm. to, to have it. Um, so 
certainly the rest of the catalogue a bit too fringe. It did, again, I thought, have a really fantastic sense of the time period. It felt very 1980s. It didn't feel like it was yeah. I thought that was great. But yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, they totally nailed it. They totally really nailed that whole look. Um, but I, I thought it was good, but just not quite on a par with the other ones. And it, 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 it felt like it needed more. We don't often say we want more. We're, we're normally quite happy to cut something down to its bare bones and you give us just like a good story. This felt like it was missing mm. at least 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. It just needed fleshed out. A bit. Yeah, yeah. Just a better conclusion, you know? Yeah. I just, I just want to know, even if you put yeah. some of the end saying Leroy remained in the police force for the next 25 years before he you know, left for retirement and was commended 50 times and was seen as one of the, you know, something along, or, he, or it says, unfortunately, Leroy was subjected to continual racial abuse and he left the police force after, after a year, but still continues to be a, a source of pride in his community or something like that. Something along those, but literally just yeah, yeah, yeah. cuts to black and ends and that's it. And, and I felt like that was a shame not to know what really happened in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Out of 10, what are you giving it? I'm going to give it a solid seven and a half. It was good. It just needed fleshed out just a tiny, tiny bit more, and that would have been satisfactory. I'm exactly the same, dude. Seven and a half out of ten. Seven and a half. We're on, we're on, we're on tune this time. Um, which is still means yes. so far we've given, collectively we've given, um, we gave Mangrove, I think it was, I think we gave Mangrove a nine or a ten out of ten, possibly. Nice. Um, no, we gave Mangrove nine. We gave uh, Love of Rock nine as well. We're giving seven and a half. So we're, we're, we're saying these are all excellent to watch. There's no, yeah, yeah, definitely real enjoyment and sort of real something to learn Welsh in these. Um, mm. And that's available on BBC iPlayer. So it's available to everyone in the UK to watch for free, essentially. Um, no, as I, I'm really enjoying this series. Um, yeah, as it's, it's, it's actually it's a. It's a good insight to a world when we were just like young nipples that didn't know yeah. much about the world at that point. It's okay. good to go back and see that, you know, for like fucking like 40 years ago, we are still treating people of anything that wasn't white. Yeah. Just like fucking pieces of shit. And you're yeah. like, Jesus Christ, you know. Sad just makes me ashamed. Yeah, it makes me angry. On from that, we move on to Netflix. Uh, and the film is Mank, directed by David Fincher, who directed things like Seven, Zodiac, Gone Girl, uh, Benjamin Button as well. I like David Fincher, big fan of David Fincher. He's an interesting director and does a lot lot of good work. Um, The plot of this is all about Herman J. Mankiewicz, who was the writer of the much acclaimed Citizen Kane. It's essentially him writing that movie while in bed because he's been in a car accident. Um, it's him looking back upon parts of his life where he starts to base his story on his love for a young lady who is married to a newspaper magnate called Rudolph Randall Hearst, I believe William Randall Hearst, who is the basis of the Citizen Kane character. And basically him doing this and how it sort of brings about partly his downfall and also his... Um, it's all about the authorship of the role. Because everyone remembers this as an a Austin Wells movie. But there's a lot more to it than just mm. awesome Wells actually brought to it. Um, in the film, you've got Gary Oldman playing Herman J. Mankiewicz. You've got Amanda Seyfried. She plays a starlet. You've got Lily Collins playing the sort of assistant to Oldman. And Tuppence Middleton, Tom Burke plays, um, I believe he plays Citizen Kane. Eh, not Citizen Kane, Austin Wells. Mm. And Charles Dance plays mm. uh, William Randall Hurst. Um, I'll start with this one. So that you, um, and I'll say I freaking love this movie. 
I, I, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of like old cinema, yeah. a huge fan of Citizen Kane, and this was just it's a beautiful portrayal of old Hollywood, but in no way beholden to it. It didn't feel like it was sort of rose tinted glasses. It felt like it really was a pot shot yeah. in some way, and it was not trying to sort of show it in a most glorious and technical light. It was it obviously shot in monochrome as well. Um, the music, mm. and all the music and the photography, it feels fresh. Like the, the soundtrack was done by the guy mm. from Nine Inch Nails, uh, the Trent Reznor. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um, yeah yeah yeah. So nine, the guy from Nine Inch Nails done the, done the soundtrack. Um, but and same with photography. He did the photography, the photography as well. It all looks like it, of the era, and it all sounds like it's from the era. But it also sounds really fresh yes. and new. So it's a nice, that great mix of something that felt that felt new but also old. And um, performances were all absolutely phenomenal. I thought Gary Oldman plays drunk better than anyone else in the world. I thought he was just fantastic. His finale, like at the dinner party, where mm. he's getting absolutely stushied, is just fucking phenomenal. Um, Amanda yep. Seyfried looks like someone from the 40s. Like she's like she should play like a 40s starlet. She, she has that whole look about her. Um, mm. That was brilliant. And I love the idea of what it does. It, it explodes the myth of the auteur. You know, the idea that the director has ownership over a film. You know, everyone thinks that Citizen Kane has seen this awesome world as crowning glory. But in reality, it's, it, it's, it's a... It's a group effort. There's, there's, it's not just a, it's not the solo genius that made that film. There's so much more involved than just one guy. Um, and to yeah, the point yeah. that most of the film was written by Mankiewicz. It's not written by Austin Wells. He somehow manages to get his name on it and wins an Oscar for getting his name on it. But in reality, most of the the, um, the credits should be due to, to Mank. Um, interestingly, the film was written by David Fincher's father. Like He died like 2003, so it's been sitting around there for a while um, to get made. Um, mm. But generally, I absolutely love this film. Probably one of my favourite films of the year. I thought it was just absolutely stunning and beautiful movie to watch. Everything about it was brilliant. Tom Burke as well playing... Awesome Wells. He had the voice down to an absolute, absolute perfection. And um, he sounded so like mm. uh, Honest for the that's quite scary. Tuppence Middleton as well, playing the wife of Gary Oldman, uh, Mankiewicz's character. Seen her in a couple of things this week. Um, and she was really good. I thought I really liked her in it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing her do other stuff. I watched her on something else this week. Um, and she was also excellent in that. Um, so yeah, I cannot... As you said, I like this film. I love this film. I cannot go on about it uh, more. Um, I'm looking at your face, and I'm hoping you at least like this film. Because you tell me you hate this film, it could be the first, it could be only the second time in three years' history where there's an actual argument picks off um, on, on the podcast. Um, what did you uh, think about it? Sadly, sadly, I'm going to have to go and say that I did actually like it as well. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I this might like be Richard and uh, Mackay situation with Dunkirk, and I love Dunkirk. Mackay hated it, and nearly had a little fisty cuffs at one point over it. <laughs> no, I did actually enjoy it. it. Like you said, it was that kind of nice. It, it kind of took us back. I don't know if you watched, if you've seen a lot of like the kind of film noir films back yeah. in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a couple of them myself, and it honestly, like, even though I know it's a new movie, it just took me back to that era. Yeah. And and the fact that the movie is more heavy dialogued as well, and it's not so much relying on big flashy CGI or whatever yeah. happening on the screen. It was nice. All the characters put in, oh, sorry, all the actors put in an absolute stunning performance in this. Yeah. You know, there was there wasn't anybody I thought in this movie <laughs> who should be there. No, agreed. You know, I thought every everyone absolutely fucking crushed it. Um, you know, and I just I just enjoyed it. You know, I yeah. just sat there and just I was enjoying it this morning. It's one of something that just, it was, just washes over you so well, and you kind of want to watch it in a big scene so you can mm-hmm. totally see it like at thirty feet wide. You know. 
40 feet yeah. high as opposed to watching it on, I mean, my TV's relatively large, but it still felt like I wanted to see this on a massive screen and let it sort of properly feel like, because like, it, it's, it's shot like, if you've ever seen Citizen Kane, it's shot like Citizen Kane. You know, a lot of the angles, a lot of that, that stuff is very similar. I do need to come clean. I've never actually seen Citizen Kane. You should watch yeah. Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very good film, as I understand. It's an excellent movie. It really is a very excellent movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just one and, of those movies that I never actually get to. I see it all the time on like the hundred greatest movies of all it's usually, time, and it's, it's always right up there. <laughs> it's usually yeah. top of that list. To be fair, I didn't see that. I didn't see it. I University, and then when I watched it, I watched it University. So, um, but ever since then, I have been a fan of it. It's, it's an excellent film. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, this film employs a lot of the techniques that used. I mean, probably people who know even more about it than that than, than I do. You know, that man's knowledge about it is quite it's brief. Will probably tell me it's not exactly the same as the. Of Citizen Kane, you know, really shot yeah. in the angles and the cameras and stuff like that. But to me, it felt very light Citizen Kane and in terms of the, the shooting style. Yeah. And, and for that, I was very impressed by it. And that, that felt, I gave it a real sense of um, tone and sort of era and belonging to that world. And that, I, because of that, I, honestly, I could not tear myself away from mm. I just was so engrossed by it, particularly Gary Oldman. Because Gary Oldman, yeah. he's such a good oh. actor. He's just, he's so believable in everything he does. But when he plays drunk, I just think he's phenomenal playing, playing drunk. He plays it so fucking well. Um, and nothing about the film just was, was I, can, I can't say anything bad about the film. I thought it was an absolute triumph uh, from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. I, think if, I think if you're a film fan, if you're yeah. a fan of movies, you'll get even more from it. And if you're just a fan of, if you just want to watch a, a random film, if you're a fan of cinema and Hollywood um, and of that era, you'll get so, so much more from it than, than if you just, just want to watch a random yeah. movie. It's just like all the Kelly. Just like uh, the old, like uh, the old-fashioned kind of techniques that they were using as well, like uh, the example that uh, always sticks with me that you always seen in like the noir films as well is like, like when two people walk into a room, like they put the lights on and everything like that. Just oh. all those little kind of like, all those kind of like similarities and like because mm-hmm. it was shot in like uh, monochrome as well, it was yeah. like it was just I found a lot of similarities between them and because I liked a good couple of the. Film noir ones as well. It just took me back to like when I was yeah. watching them for you while as well. You know, yeah, definitely, they're definitely, absolutely, absolutely cracking film. Uh, it's on. It's, it's, again, it's on Netflix. You've already, you've already got Netflix. Yeah. It's taught, it, there's no reason not to watch it. You get it for free anyway, essentially. Mm. Um, it doesn't come as a surprise. I'm giving this a proper ten out of ten. Well, absolutely loved it. But I think it's one of the ones second or third ten out of ten this year. Um, so yeah, ten yes. out of ten for myself. I absolutely adored it. I'm I'm running just behind you. I'm giving it a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten, fair enough. Um, but highest, it, highest, highest. It would, have, it would have got ten out of ten from me if it had Dwayne Johnson in it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all joking, all joking. You can't be. You could actually have him in as something like a strong man. You know, like sort of like a. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's totally that kind of old school man. Strong. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, on from that, we move on to Amazon Prime um, to a series, a limited run series so far, um, called Truth Seekers, created by Nick Ross, Simon Pegg, Nate Saunders, and James Serafinovich. Um, it's an Amazon original. It's eight episodes long, half an hour each. It follows the adventures of Nick Frost mm. as he tries. He is a cable repairman, essentially, a sort of local sky guy, and he also believes in the supernatural and the paranormal. And as he fixes things across the country. He also investigates these sort of supernatural um, goings on. Along the ride, he's got Samson Kale playing the very well-named Elton John. But that's not that's not his real name. He is um, he's sort of his assistant, and he's there's a history to him. He's got a sister played by so- uh, Susan uh, Wakoma, um, who's a bit of a 
what's the word you say inside, a bit of an agoraphobe. Uh, and also his father mm. is played by Malcolm McDowell. Also popping up in it is Simon Pegg and also Scott Kelly McDonald. The lovely, lovely Kelly McDonald pops up. Yeah. I don't know if you've got a name there. I, I, I didn't actually know if you were good. <laughs> um, oh, what do you think of this one? This have is you finished good. it first of all? You know, pretty it? much. I'm one episode away. Okay, I've got the last much. episode to watch. Okay. So I'm, I won't spoil. I'm I won't spoil. Uh, I substituted the last episode to make sure I watched uh, Mank the day, so I'm Fair shocked enough. that I've done it. So, uh, yeah, to me, I don't know about anyone else, but to me, Simon Pegg and Nick, when they get together, <laughs> the two of them cannot do any wrong. It's like, I love everything they do together, you know? And even individually, you know, I, I like what they do just in general, yeah. but when they're together, they are like a powerhouse of like whatever they put their minds to. But it was yeah. a shame so, that they weren't, they weren't yeah. together enough in this. That's the problem, I think. That's no. the, that's the major issue I had in this one. I, I enjoyed it, but we'll get, we'll get like you. I'll go back to what I think about it later. But I just think the major problem this had with this thing was it is very much a, a, a Nick Frost vehicle. He's the main thing in it. He's, he's sort of pushing him yeah. to the front. Simon Pegg is, he's in every episode, I think. I think he's probably in every episode, but it's literally like mm. five minutes, maybe less than that each episode. Yeah. Not yeah. enough of them together. Very I'm always behind the desk. Yeah. yeah. Go under. Yeah. Uh, yeah, outside that, you know, it touched on a lot of kind of like modern things happening in the world, like people making like YouTube content or just general internet content yep. as a kind of job, so to speak. Um, you know, you've also, yeah, another kind of modern thing is like the kind of, or more prevalent thing is like that girl that's in it who doesn't want to like leave her house and yeah. she's like all the rest of it that's going on, that's probably quite a big thing nowadays as well. Remember that film we watched the zombie film, the, the hashtag alive? Do you remind me a little bit of him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah totally, totally. Um, so you've got all of that going on, but just in general, I thought this show was really good. Just see for 25, 30 minutes, I thought it was great. Just to fling it on, enjoy it for what it is, and then leave it again, you know? I'm not going to crap on your brain. Um, I, no, I found it charming. Um, I yes. thought at times it was quite tonally confused. It didn't know whether it was to be like more scary or more funny. So it got a little mm. bit kind of lost at times trying to be one or the other, but then it would sort of go too far the other way at times. And you're kind of going, like, what are you? Are you, are you trying to be funny? Or are you trying to be scary? Some of, the, some of the jump scares were actually pretty well orchestrated. Yeah, yeah, but then some of the yeah. stupid stuff in it was just far too stupid. It, it, it felt a little bit tonally, a little bit too far to either side. You can bring them together. You can mm. be you can be a funny horror and you can be a, a scary, um, a, or a, a scary comedy. But they've got to be a bit more closer together. And I felt at times it was a little bit too much, a bit too much tonally far apart. Um, like yeah. I, said, I thought the cast were all pretty much good most of the time. Um, Nick Frost was definitely, and he is a lead actor. I think people could he is. He's not given enough mm. lead roles apart from like sort of Simon Pegg. So it seems to be sort of always reduced to sort of like sidekick roles or even sort of like a little kind of walk on for like ten minutes. But he can hold his mm. own. He's, he's a good actor and he can and he can definitely bring a performance, which I thought was good. Um, mm. I thought the sister um, Susan McComb. I thought she really stole the show. I thought she was excellent playing that role. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. really good. She had a wee kind of snippet part in in, in Ola Holmes, which is in for maybe like ten minutes in that. And I thought she was excellent in that. And she's also in, I think, the show called Year the Rabbit. She's very funny in that. Um, but I thought she was probably the best thing in this. Um, it did need, 
and I don't understand why he was in it to begin with, because I thought his role was kind of pointless, was the Malcolm McDowell role, the playing the father. It felt just... Yes. It, that, felt, yeah. that, that, that was the point where it felt the most tonally out of, out of sync. That He felt like he was going more for the comedy, and that's where it felt mostly out of sync to me when he was sort of doing stuff. Um, so I was mm. at this point when, what, what, he, what he brought to it. Yeah, I found that he was he was almost just there to keep uh, the character Helen interested yeah. in the house, you know. Because unless she had, uh, unless like she actually had something to say to uh, Richard, it was like she just was almost like a non-character. Yeah. She just was like she was just there, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. I wish though, and this is just my own personal thing. I wish they had done see the episode when they're like chasing like the big kind of like cat thing about yeah. the grounds. Oh. Um, I wish like they had written in some sort of like little Easter egg about uh, you know how in what like, space they make like a comment about uh, Hampstead Heath, like the, yes. the werewolf or something. Uh-huh, I yeah. wish they had done just just a wee just a wee thing in there that that's, was that's absolutely a- like. That's generally something I thought was missing. There wasn't enough nods and winks to their previous work. It felt like it was very yeah, much by yeah, yeah. I, I thought that as well. Um, it is constrained by the budget. Um, it's, it yes. feels at times that, that sometimes they overstretch, and maybe that's part of the problem. When you get to the final episode, there's a conclusion with the final episode where it was, you go, I cannot believe you're using that as the finale <laughs> to this show. You ran out of money. Yeah. Um, it was a bit of a shame. Yeah. Um, the. Also, see for only having eight episodes, and eight episodes are pretty short, only, but I think they barely touched 30 minutes each. They needed yep. one to put a big story into it, felt unnecessary. They could have made it a bit more sort of episodic and just sort of keep and rally mm. back to the set. They felt they're trying to force this overall arc story into it that sort of runs way through it, and it felt like that took away from a lot of the kind of stuff that could have been there. Um, yeah, but, rather than just have it like every episode evolves around them. Going to fix something, but also stumbling across like some sort of like paranormal activity uh-huh. kind of thing. The way like it would be set up on YouTube, you know. Uh-huh. But but this is a whole story yeah. that some guy tried to like sort of control the world as well, which felt very yeah. didn't feel like they did enough scope in that to, to put it into a half hour episode. For the nine episodes that I've watched, I found that part of the storyline completely just I'm just completely not interested in it. Yeah. Like I'm. Yeah, I could take it or leave it, you know. Yeah. It doesn't really add very much to the episodes, unfortunately, for me. Yeah. No, totally. But that's, that's yeah. what they built the conclusion with that or after the episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. it still, it just it felt, it, it, to me, it, just, it, it, was, it, was, it was the least interesting aspect. The interesting aspect to me was how the Nick Frost and his dealing with his wife passing is sort of the interesting story. Yeah. And his relationship yeah. with yeah. his new. Um, sort of sidekick. That was just sort of the interesting story, not the story about this sort of overreaching arc story. That 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 that, that sort of that bored me a little bit. But like I said, it's yeah. only eight episodes. They're only twenty eight minutes long each, so you can batter through it in a couple hours. It's it's a lot. Of, it's it's enjoyable. It's funny. It does end in a way that you can think there's something more to come, which I think is good, and hopefully they expand on that more later on. Um, mm. I'm giving it a very solid but not spectacular six out of ten. Oh, jeez, oh man! I was yeah. going to give it seven. Uh, just because I like to think we get an extra point from me just because I'm like such a big fanboy of like Nick and Simon. I feel like, you know, like I said, I'm like everything they do, I I watch it like pretty much straight out the gate, you know. And I'm the same. I love pretty much everything they've done as well. I'm a big fan of most of their work. I can't really think of anything they've really done that I've been, you know, 
I've been disliking of. So I'm a big fan of working well. Mm. But this 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 was all fine. But I think the potential for it to be better is there. Yes. Rather than this season being the, the good one, if that makes sense. I think maybe maybe the second season will kick on from this and I'll look back and go right the first season and leave the groundwork to make the second and third season great. It just seemed this seemed very much a groundwork season and there's a lot of stuff. They're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. Some of it's sticking, some of it's not. And hopefully the Jets and some of the stuff yes. doesn't work in the next season. Um, but that's us for this week. Um, next week, yeah. some interesting stuff for you to watch, sir. We have got the fourth instalment of Small Axe, which is called Alex Wheatle, which I know you may have watched already mm. by mistake. Um, <coughs> by accident, yes. Uh, we, will, we will watch that. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. I've not seen it yet. Um, also on Disney Plus, if you've got Disney Plus, there's a, we've got to throw a Christmas film in, my friend, because it's, um, it is December. Um, so we're throwing if in. This isn't Die Hard, I'm kicking off. You're going to kick off. It's called Noel. It stars Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. They are they, they, oh, play, okay. they, they play Santa's siblings, no, Santa's kids, sorry, and they're inheriting the, the Santa throne. Okay, cool. it's very sweet Fair and charming. And um, that, and also available on video on demand, is a film called Freaky, which is a body swap um, horror film where the, a, a, a killer's hunting a girl. As he kills her, the swap bodies like a Freaky Friday thing, and she's got twenty four okay. hours to switch them back. So have a look for that as well. It's called Freaky. We'll talk about that. I, I think you'll enjoy. Um, so we'll get out of about next week. Okay. Uh, you'll tell me where to find us. All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the fun places. That's great. That's us for this week. I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.